This episode features dramatizations of murder, PTSD, and references to child abuse and suicide. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Greek myths and traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. The underworld was full of strange and deadly creatures, lesser gods of plague and pestilence, lost souls drifting through the afterlife, primordial beasts who hungered for living flesh, and every single one of them raced to a rock in the middle of the river Styx, for on that rock, a battle had erupted. It was Heracles versus Theseus, and not a single slithering soul wanted to miss it. They clapped their claws with glee as they watched Heracles step onto the rock, wielding a sword. His cousin Theseus was seated in a chair of forgetfulness. But then he opened his eyes, stood up, and launched himself at his cousin. Heracles was caught by surprise, and he dropped his sword. Theseus scrambled to pick it up, but Heracles grabbed the younger man's wrist and held him back. Hold still, Theseus! Listen to me! Ah, so you can fill my head with lies? I think not! He whipped around to punch Heracles in the face. The demigod stumbled backward into a crumbling banquet table. Theseus raced to the chair of forgetfulness. In the chair across from where he had been lay Pirithous, his best friend. Pirithous, wake up! I need your help! Pirithous was still and cold. The king of the Lapiths in Thessaly was dead, and the only help he offered was the blade on his belt. Theseus drew it and turned to face Heracles. This is your fault! I will avenge my friend! You fool! Pirithous has been dead! So you admit it! Did you wring his neck like it was your wife's? Ah! Theseus charged Heracles with Pirithous's blade. Heracles evaded the attack, but only just. The sharp edge glanced across his cheek. He winced as blood spilled down his face. Then he looked back up at Theseus with a feral glare. Heracles barreled toward Theseus and pinned him to the ground. His blood splattered onto Theseus's face as he tried to talk some sense into him. Theseus, you don't understand me. I will never understand a man like you. But thanks to this chair of forgetfulness, my memory is restored, and I understand why you must be slain. Then the chair is your enemy, foolish boy. It has shown me the truth. You've been a monster my whole life. You let the Cretan bull attack the villagers in treason. What? That, that's not true. You inspired me to save them. And I did. You... you betrayed me at my father's funeral. Theseus, your father's funeral was months ago. You might think you're in the right, but there's a whole world up there that thinks you've gone mad. You're lying. Oh, you are more stubborn than the Cretan bull. You're the villain here, Theseus. And if I can't save your soul, no one can. 
Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, a battle rages between Hercules, or Heracles as he was known to the Greeks, and Theseus, heroes of mythical Greece. Last week, Theseus grew from being a teenager obsessed with Heracles to a king who realized he and his hero had a deadly difference of opinion. This week, we'll witness Theseus spiral into darkness and Heracles fight to make things right. Coming up, Theseus changes in the aftermath of terrible events. At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray Strandom wing chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. Hey, welcome to Ikea, where even this desk is circular. Huh, how so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and we love our products, like buying back your Ikea items for store credit. Or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. King Theseus of Athens knew this was supposed to be a moment of triumph. Newly crowned, he was headed back to Athens. At his side was his ally, King Pirithus of Thessaly, and in his grip was the head of the Cretan bull. Poseidon's creation had terrorized Theseus's homeland of treason years ago and had now reappeared to rampage through Marathon, a town on the outskirts of Athens. Banding together with Pirithus to slay the bull had been his first challenge as king. Their success had led the people of Marathon to pledge allegiance to Athens. To the people, their new king was to be a great uniter. But every time Theseus looked at the white bull's lifeless, blood-red eyes, three agonizing images burned in his mind. First, the Minotaur, a hellish man-bull hybrid and son of the Cretan bull. Theseus had fought that monster to the death in his youth. The next image was his father, King Aegeus, plummeting from the cliff. The king had jumped to his death when he thought Theseus had perished in the battle. The third image was Heracles, his cousin and one-time idol. 
Heracles had been furious when Theseus decided to kill the Cretan bull, which the gods had ordered Heracles to keep alive. All of these things had happened in the last week, and Theseus was desperately trying to move past them. He steadied his breath and tried to listen to Pirithous. Let's have a hot soak at your palace to cleanse ourselves of all this blood. Perhaps with some maidens to make it all the sweeter, don't you think? Mm. Something the matter. Whatever it is, you can confide in me. I appreciate your help, but I barely know you, Pirithous. If I were a betting man, and I am, I'd wager this silence is about Heracles. You should worry less about disappointing him. You should worry more about me punching you. <laughs> oh, the new king of Athens has brawn and wit. Theseus looked at Pirithous. Something about the man's curious dark eyes and charming smile beckoned Theseus to open up. I'm not worried about disappointing Heracles, but in my youth, really until a few days ago, I idolized him. Killing this bull was the right thing to do, but I know there's a 16-year-old version of me that's very mad at, well, at me. Idols must fall for kings to rise. But he's family. Growing up, it was just me and my mother. Anytime Heracles visited, I felt like a part of something bigger. Now my mother is in treason, my father died before I got to know him, and Heracles thinks I hate him. He doesn't have family either. I don't like thinking of him all alone. I, I know how it feels. <laughs> Funny thing, thinking Heracles values family. He does. His wife and children perished. Every time he spoke of them, the pain in his eyes showed how much he cared. Theseus, my good man. There was pain in his eyes because he murdered them. That's not true. My mother said there was a fire. A lie to spare a young boy's heart. Princess Ethra kept you too sheltered. She hid your father's identity for most of your life, did she not? Yes, but that was... Well, it was different. I... A king shouldn't be coddled. Heracles killed his family because the gods asked him to, and he said yes, all in his quest for immortality. So don't feel too badly. Theseus sent Pirithous back to Athens ahead of him so he could have time to think and settle his racing heart. It was dusk by the time he felt calm enough to walk into his palace. He tensed when he saw Heracles at the doors. The so-called hero avoided looking at the bull's head in Theseus's hands and tried to be conciliatory. Theseus, your mother just arrived. I suggest we sit and discuss all of this. I can't bear to leave Athens with you upset with me. We're family. Oh, so does that mean you'll murder us too? Something shifted in the hero's eyes, but Theseus did not allow him to retort. You have no family in Athens, Heracles. Goodbye. Heracles walked away, and Theseus hoped he would never see him again. Theseus stepped reluctantly into his throne room, where his mother, Aethra, paced and fretted. She looked up, then rushed to throw her arms around her son. Theseus, thank the gods you're alive. I'm so sorry about your father, and Heracles told me about the bull. We'll need to seek forgiveness from the gods. I'll do no such thing. You need time. I understand. You've had a terrible few days. I'm fine. 
but perhaps you should seek my forgiveness. If you'd told me who my father was earlier, I could have met him sooner, had more time with him. I had to keep his identity a secret. He told me so on the night you were conceived. And I'm supposed to believe you? I am not a liar, Theseus. You lied about Heracles. Why didn't you tell me he killed his family? I... It's not the sort of thing you tell a child. You worshipped Heracles, and I liked that you had an honorable father figure of some kind. Honorable? Mother, he murdered his family at the gods' behest. Now that is a lie. Heracles did it under their control. Zeus's wife Hera was obsessed with torturing him, all because Zeus lay with Heracles' mortal mother. Hera could never accept her half-god stepson, so she drove him mad and forced him to do those things. Or maybe that's what he wants you to think. Theseus, why do you question me like this? I have to question everything, since no one's ever told me the full truth. I can't rule a kingdom when nothing feels safe. Nothing is safe, dear. Life can only be made safer through alliances and assurances, and you need assurance that your bull-slaying hasn't turned the gods against you. Oh, curse the gods! Ethra slapped Theseus across the face. Theseus saw those images again, the Minotaur, his father's death, and a new one, Heracles standing over the body of a woman whose neck was bent at an impossible angle. His hands were wrapped around a child's throat, its limbs weakly beating against its father's chest. Theseus opened his eyes and grabbed his mother's hand. She pulled away, fear in her eyes. Theseus was scared too at how much he enjoyed seeing her like this. Go home. I have a kingdom to rule, and I won't provide treason with a single drachma if you challenge me. Theseus, please. You ensnared Aegeus to help your fortunes, didn't you? Wouldn't want to ruin all the work you put into that alliance. Aethra shook her head, tears welling in her eyes, but she held her head high as she walked out. Theseus knew he'd crossed a line, but it felt good to get his mother off his back, just like it had felt good to get rid of Heracles. He could breathe again for the first time since he killed the Minotaur, and with those breaths came a realization. He was a king, and he only wanted to talk to those who agreed with him. Theseus coughed as he walked into his palace's steam bath. He could hardly see through the vapor clouds, save for a raised pool heated by hot coals. Pirithus was frolicking in the water. Two handmaidens swam after him, giggling as they scrubbed blood from his body. All three seemed quite comfortable in their nudity. Theseus was not. <laughs> King Theseus, come enjoy some of your palace's famous hospitality. Ladies, be gone. Uh, please, and very nice to meet you. The maidens got out and slinked past Theseus, their eyes roving over his taut, battle-scarred body. Theseus felt a twinge of lust and a rush of shame. He'd only ever kissed one girl, a princess named Ariadne. 
These feelings were too confusing right now, so he was relieved to see the maidens go. Pirithus was not. A pity. My back isn't going to scrub itself, unless you're offering. The maidens can wait. I just need time to think. Theseus gave Pirithus a pointed stare. The king of the Lapiths laughed and made a show of hiding his eyes while Theseus disrobed and got into the water. Ah, this is nice. I wish it soothed my soul as much as it's soothing my body. Is it Mother Dearest or Heracles again? Not exactly. Heracles is a symptom, not the sickness. The sickness is the gods, who play with us like puppets. Life is hard enough dealing with mortal mayhem. I know this might sound foolish, Pirithus, but I wish I could get rid of the gods. <laughs> we can't kill the gods, my friend, no. Perhaps the only way to match them in their strength and influence is to become gods ourselves. Theseus looked at Pirithus curiously. The other king's pupils were so piercing, they looked like they could slice through the purple-tinged steam in the room. How, how would we do that? By marrying goddesses and using their powers for protection, of course. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't exactly know any single goddesses. I do. What do you know about Helen of Sparta? Coming up, Theseus falls into darkness, and only Heracles can break him out of it. You discover their practices, seek their advice, and let yourself become more vulnerable than ever before. They have the ability to heal what the doctors can't, or so they say. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa from the ParCast series Cults. Be sure to check out our four-part special on Miracle Healers, airing right now. Meet figures from around the world who claimed powers and pushed remedies, but harbored more sinister intentions. You don't want to miss it. And if you're looking for more episodes on the most radical and deadly groups in history, tune in to Cults every Tuesday. From Jim Jones and the People's Temple, to Charles Manson and the Manson family, to Keith Raniere and Nexium, you'll uncover the unscrupulous methods used to turn bright-eyed recruits into die-hard believers. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Cults, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Theseus and Pirithus hid behind a bush, looking out into a clearing. Both kings were dressed in the armor of Spartan guards, and in the clearing was the reason for this disguise. All the ladies of the Spartan court dancing and laughing. Theseus took a deep breath, enjoying the scent of jasmine in the warm nighttime breeze. 
It felt good to get out of Athens, where he spent his days negotiating treaties with neighboring towns and expanding his territory's borders. He felt safer, and these alliances were necessary, but it was all so boring. The staid life of a king made it easy for Theseus to succumb to anxiety. He hadn't seen his lying mother or his murderous cousin Heracles in months, but he felt a troubling emptiness in his heart when he thought of them. Flashes of the Minotaur and his father's suicide still seared through his nightmares and made him wake up screaming. Thankfully, Pirithous was always at his side, and he'd finally convinced Theseus to go through with their plan of finding and marrying goddesses. As Pirithous repeated over many nights, if you married a goddess, her might was on your side, and the gods would think twice before challenging you. Theseus wanted that security. That's why he was so taken with tales of Helen, a daughter from Zeus's affair with the Queen of Sparta. Helen was heavily guarded, and Pirithous insisted that reaching out through envoys would be fruitless. The Spartans were uncivilized, and the only way to subdue them was through action. So there they were, in disguise beside the ladies' birthday celebrations, and it was truly a sight to behold. <laughs> Women of all ages danced like nymphs to the strums of a lute. Theseus's eyes were drawn to a lovely woman in a violet tunic with flowers in her golden hair. There she is, Helen, daughter of Zeus and the most beautiful girl in the world. She does look quite fetching in those flowers. Good dancer, too. <laughs> Theseus, no. That girl is her handmaiden. That is Helen. Pirithous pointed again to the young girl dancing beside the woman. Pirithous? She can't be more than 12 years old. You don't have to marry her now. But a girl with all that power, men will fight wars over her when she's grown. Best to scoop her up now. Then I have to speak to the king and arrange for a betrothal in a few years' time. I can't just kidnap her. Of course you can't. That's why you brought me. Pirithus, no! Pirithus raced into the crowd, and Theseus turned away. He didn't want to see Pirithus kidnap the girl. But he didn't stop him either. Theseus felt sick and tried his hardest to reason his complicity away. At the very least, Helen would be a powerful negotiation tool. Perhaps he could even forge an alliance with Sparta if he married her. Many years down the line, of course. For now, Theseus had to find a place to hide her while he thought of what to do. If the Spartans found out that Athens' king was Helen's captor, they'd go there first. But perhaps they wouldn't think to look in an unremarkable kingdom nearby. Theseus forgot how much he'd missed the cramped, crumbling palace of his childhood until he returned to treason with Pirithous. Little Helen had fallen unconscious in fright, and it was easy to lock her in a guest chamber. He tried to tell himself that Aethra would be desperate to see him and eager to do the favor he was asking of her, keep Helen secreted away for the time being. But deep down, Theseus knew his mother would be furious. Theseus, you kidnapped a child! A princess of Sparta! 
Those animals will use this as an excuse to wage war against Athens, and I can't say you don't deserve it. I know it's rash, but think of my advantage. Zeus won't want his daughter hurt, so he'll protect her and thus me. Assurances and alliances, like you said. Zeus didn't go out of his way to protect Heracles' family when Hera went after them, did he? You're not making any sense! I am! Pirithus, explain the plan! Your Highness, we both want what's best for our dear boy. Wedding a demigoddess will give him more power than any other king. Think of how beautiful and powerful your grandchildren will be. Stop Why, I your prattling. I need to speak to my son alone. Pirithus nodded and withdrew. He kept staring at her, though, and Aethra was unsettled by the look in his eyes. She turned to her son. Theseus seemed jittery and manic, and Aethra worried he might lash out if she wasn't careful. Theseus, this Pirithus, he's leading you astray. Heracles was imperfect, but don't trade a flawed world model for an awful one. Pirithus has become my greatest ally. And your biggest enabler. The way he looks at you, and the way you look at him, you seem like you're spellbound. Possibly actually spellbound. No, Mother, I... I know I'm acting a bit unpredictable, but I feel like I have to make some bold moves now if I want to safeguard my future. You understand? I understand that I pushed you too hard as a boy, and I'm sorry. But you didn't! You wanted me to be great, and I will be. Once we retrieve Persephone for Pirithus, and I marry Helen, we'll have more power than any other kings in the world. We'll be safe. Persephone? Theseus, the goddess of spring is already married to the Lord of Death himself. That's why we're going to the underworld to get her. I still remember things you taught me about the place. There's a dog, right? A big angry dog to be conquered? Dear gods, you've lost your mind. I am so sorry if I caused any of this. Don't be. I forgive you. And I love you. Theseus kissed his mother and ran off to join a smirking Pirithus. Aethra wanted nothing more than to grab a torch, run after them, and set Pirithus on fire. But then she heard Helen crying in the chamber. The poor girl was awake. So Aethra rushed back into the room and took Helen in her arms. Hush, dear girl. I'll send you home as soon as I can. I just need time to think. After a moment of frantic thought, Aethra turned to one of her guards. Send for Heracles at once. Theseus and Pirithus arrived at the murky shores of the River Styx, which separated the mortal realm from the underworld. The sky was the color of a bruise, and unearthly sounds filled the air. Across the river was a wall of rock and a massive spiked gate, leading into the dark unknown. How are we supposed to get across? Pirithus smiled. Just then, a skiff emerged from the water and floated to shore. That's disturbing. More convenient, I'd say. Shall we? Persephone awaits. They stepped on. The skiff whisked them across the water toward the gates. Theseus didn't understand how Pirithus was so calm and confident. This skiff moved faster than any boat Theseus had ever been on, and he was frightened. 
This next part is what worries me most. My mother taught me that a three-headed dog guards the gates to the underworld to prevent any living soul from entering. Yes, Cerberus. Theseus looked up. As they approached the gate, he saw the rusted bars of a cage built into the rocks beside it. Three gigantic dogs' heads lunged out from the bars, gnashing razor-sharp teeth and spraying red-hot spittle into the air. <laughs> Perhaps the pup got too rowdy and had to be caged. Our luck continues. No, there's something wrong here. The skiff just arrives, the dog is trapped. It's all too easy, Pyrithus. It's like we were expected. Do you need everything to be a challenge? Some arduous quest? If you're welcome in the land of the dead, it means it's your time to die. Shut your mouth, boy! Theseus felt a chill. Pyrithus sounded different. He looked into his friend's eyes and was stunned to see they glowed purple. Theseus was mesmerized, and soon his frown was replaced by a vacant smile. Sorry, friend. I quibble too much. Persephone awaits, and so does our glorious future. Theseus's dazed grin grew wider as the gates to the underworld creaked open. Heracles arrived in treason the next day, just as Aethra's guards left to escort Helen home to Sparta. Though a meal was laid out for Heracles and Aethra, neither could eat. After hearing of Theseus's madness, Heracles couldn't even sip his usual breakfast wine. All he could do was pace. It's too late, Aethra. If Theseus has fallen this far, saving his body won't help, especially with Pyrithus whispering in his ear. That's just it. I've done some digging. I was wondering why Pyrithus was spending all this time with Theseus when he has his own kingdom to run. Because he's a lazy king and a slithering sycophant, and always has been. I'm well aware of Pyrithus's reputation, but I spoke to my ambassador, who spoke to another who heard from a third, and I found out the strangest bit of news. Pyrithus, the king of Thessaly, died months ago. What? They say he was poisoned just before Aegeus died. They can't make the news public yet until they sort out a rather messy line of succession. Then who has been twisting our Theseus's mind? A smiling Theseus followed Pyrithus to a rock in the middle of the river Styx, where a veiled woman stood at a table. Theseus happily let Pyrithus seat him in one of two obsidian chairs, even though they were crawling with red snakes. Have a seat, and Persephone here will serve us a feast fit for gods. I'm glad we came. Thank you for believing in me. I won't ever forget it. Theseus only stopped smiling when the snakes tightened around his limbs and purple-black smoke billowed around him. The smoke plunged into Theseus's eyes and mouth and wiped his memory clean. <coughs> Pyrithus sat in the chair next to Theseus. The snake slithered up his body, but Pyrithus just lifted one up to kiss it fondly. 
Then smoke billowed around his body too, and when it cleared, Pirithus was gone. In his place was a reedy figure with purple-gray skin, clad in a dark robe. This was Hades, Lord of the Dead. His stern face seemed only built to frown, which is why it was so eerie when he smiled at the woman at the table. Well, I've done my bit. My whispering smoke is clouding Theseus' mind and making him think Heracles is absolutely devious. What now, Hera? The woman lifted her veil to reveal a goddess who seemed both matronly and murderous. This wasn't Persephone. This was Hera. Now we wait for Heracles to arrive. Their battle will rob the mortal world of one of its greatest defenders. <laughs> Any wagers on who will win? Why, of course, brother. <laughs> we will. Up next, Heracles and Theseus fight their demons and each other. As a plant-based cheese company, Dea has never talked about beef in an ad before because someone somewhere once had a beef with saying beef and plant-based together. So putting a slice of Dea cheese on a beef burger, not okay. Well, our delicious melty cheese has a beef with your beef about beef because any step towards plant-forward eating is a step in the right direction. Dea. 100% plant-based, even if you're not. Now made with Dea Oat Cream Blend. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than 88 million in prizes, ranging from 50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Now, back to the story. Heracles and Aethra rode to the shores of the River Styx. The hero dismounted and looked up at Theseus's mother. Her look worried him. She had too much hope in her eyes. Aethra, I will bring your son back. I cannot guarantee I'll bring him back alive. You will bring him back alive. If Theseus has angered the gods, his fate may already be sealed. They may even possess me again to carry out their wrath. Heracles, the gods' wrath is no match for mine. You're not young anymore, and I have faith in your capacity to see past their tricks. They robbed you of your family once. You won't let it happen again. Heracles nodded, then dove into the river. Heracles's heart fluttered when he saw the open gates to the underworld. It was clearly a trap, but he'd been trapped by the gods his whole life. He swam past the gates and down into a deep chasm. He wasn't sure where to go, but he was fairly confident that all he had to do was follow the crowd. The Furies beat their wings in the air above, and Gorgora the Nymph slithered past him in the water. They were all headed toward a slab of rock in the river. And when Heracles squinted, he saw Theseus and a dead Pirithus sitting side by side in strange black chairs at a banquet table. 
When Heracles stepped onto the rock, Theseus awoke from the chair of forgetfulness with twisted memories of his time with Heracles. The battle began. Theseus wielded Pirithous' sword with surprising skill. He was so convinced that Heracles was his enemy, he could only remember everything up to the fight at his father's funeral and couldn't see the mistakes he made since then, like kidnapping a child or trusting Pirithous. Theseus's blind conviction made him a formidable opponent. He even managed to knock Heracles' sword out of his hands. Heracles knew he had to find some way to change his cousin's mind. Theseus, your father's funeral was months ago. You might think you're in the right, but there's a whole world up there that thinks you've gone mad. You're lying. Oh, you are more stubborn than the Cretan bull. You're the villain here, Theseus. And if I can't save your soul, no one can. Why don't you try saving yourself first? Theseus grabbed Heracles' fallen sword. He raised the two blades high and rushed for Heracles. The monstrous crowd roared with excitement. Theseus bore down with all his might. Heracles grabbed Theseus' arms and tried to push the blades away. They grappled together, blades caught between their bodies. One blade sliced into Heracles' belly, and the other cut across Theseus's chest. <laughs> A moment later, they broke apart, swords clattering to the rock. Theseus, Theseus, are you all right? Theseus looked down at the slowly spreading crimson stain on his white tunic. Then he looked up to stare at Heracles' wound. He cocked his head in a daze. Maybe we're both villains. Theseus staggered forward and plunged his fingers into Heracles' wound. It was like he was trying to rip Heracles open. Heracles grabbed Theseus by the throat. Stop trying to fight me! I must, or I won't get out. The whispering smoke told me. The chair and its tricks have warped your memory. It broke you, but perhaps it can fix you too. Heracles lifted Theseus by the neck and slammed him into the chair of forgetfulness. As before, the blood red snakes coiled around Theseus's body. But Heracles grabbed one of them. It reared up, hissed, and wrapped itself around Heracles' neck as well. Then both men were pulled into a void of memory. Theseus and Heracles tumbled through Theseus' mind. First, Theseus relived his fight with Heracles at his father's funeral, but saw it through his cousin's eyes, too. Theseus didn't realize how rashly he'd acted after his father's death. He revisited his days with Pirithous, but this time he saw how the possessed man was manipulating him. 
He blanched in horror at the sight of himself kidnapping a young princess, and Heracles's reassurance that Helen was safe now didn't help. He'd made so many other mistakes. Theseus cursed himself. He'd accused Heracles of being a puppet of the gods without realizing he'd turned into one himself. I can't be here anymore, Heracles. Take me somewhere safe in your mind. No, stay out. I, I don't want to see. Theseus, don't come in here. Theseus found himself standing by Heracles in a pleasant little cottage. Sunlight streamed through the window and birds chirped outside. And on the floor, a young Heracles was quietly, methodically strangling his wife. With a smile on his face and three dead children splayed out beside him, the smile reminded Theseus of his own when he followed Pirithous into the underworld, and he knew Aethra's story was true. Heracles was possessed. The younger Heracles let go of his wife's neck, and his face shifted. As Hera's spell wore off, horror bloomed in his eyes, and a wail burst from his mouth. <coughs> Theseus watched this tragic sight. He didn't realize how young Heracles was when it happened. He looked even younger than Theseus was now. Theseus turned to the older Heracles beside him and put a hand on his shoulder. I'm sorry for bringing you here. Leave me. Keep me in this chair so that I might relive this memory forever as penance for my sins. I can never be forgiven. They can never forgive me. I don't know if it means anything, but I forgive you. Whatever sins you've committed, the gods have done worse. They are to blame. I think your family would understand. Heracles smiled and choked back tears. On the floor, his wife and children sat up, necks twisting back into place. They gathered around the younger Heracles and hugged him. The reunited family looked up at the older Heracles, expectant. Goodbye. Theseus and Heracles shot out of the chair and tumbled to the ground. They sat up, looked at each other, and embraced. Ahem. The men turned to see Hades and Hera, now sitting in the chairs. Theseus backed away, frightened. He'd only met demigods, and the true gods were terrifying. But Heracles walked toward them. If he was still afraid of the gods, he did not show it. Hera, I should have known you had something to do with this. Yet you didn't until just now. <laughs> because you're a fool who's only good for killing. Speaking of, back at it, boys. We've got an audience waiting. No, thank you. Pardon me. We're not going to fight for you. Tell your creatures to return to the holes they crawled out of. We aren't here for your amusement. We weren't meant to fight. It would be an unfair battle. Yes, I am far too strong for Theseus. And I am far too clever for Heracles. <laughs> well, cleverness doesn't win a fight. Your cleverness might not. Ah, here we go. No, no, we won't give you the satisfaction. Now release us or kill us. 
But I'd prefer it if you didn't kill us. The crowd wants blood, boys. I promise them a battle. Heracles looked out at the teeming mass of monsters. Theseus almost laughed in amazement when he realized that his older cousin was sizing them up. Heracles turned back to Hades and Hera. Well, why settle for man versus man when you can have men versus everything? <laughs> Do you mean to say you're willing to fight the entire underworld? <laughs> it is a foolish notion. And I love it. You're bound to fail. Even if you survive, you are both too powerful to share the mortal world together. You will bicker and disagree and lock horns until the day you die. Then let it be because we disagree as men, not because gods use and despise us. <laughs> oh no, we don't despise you, sweet boy. You're our favorite toys. Heracles and Theseus were mystified. The gods were a strange bunch indeed, but they wanted a show, and Heracles and Theseus knew they had to deliver something spectacular to make it out alive. Heracles and Theseus turned to face the thousands of beasts that stood between them and the mortal realm. They raised their swords, which suddenly looked quite flimsy and ineffectual. Heracles scanned the horde. Well, at least I don't see any bulls. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm tired of bulls. After you, Heracles. <laughs> Are you frightened? I'm a king. You're a warrior. What's there to be scared of? Heracles and Theseus smiled at each other, then leapt into the horde. Heracles and Theseus's clashing personalities were brought to life in Euripides' 5th century BCE play, Heracles, set after Heracles rescues Theseus from the underworld. Heracles contemplates suicide as he comes to terms with murdering his family under Hera's orders. He feels guilt, while Theseus sees it differently. He tells Heracles, I cannot counsel you to die rather than to go on suffering. There is not a man alive that hath wholly scaped misfortune's taint, nor any god either, if what the poets sing is true. Heracles lives in fear of the gods, while Theseus, after his brief attempt to kidnap Helen and become one, learns to accept them as fallible. Heracles doesn't end his life, but he continues his work for the gods, performing his labors and slaying beasts in a self-interested quest to prove himself worthy. Theseus focuses on glory in the mortal realm that benefits others. He unites Athens and its territories under an early kind of democracy and matures into a shrewd leader who is concerned with his people. In ancient Athens, the myths of Theseus became almost as popular as the tales about Heracles' exploits. Heracles and Theseus may not have been historical figures, but the friction between them can be traced to real events in Greek history. The Spartan Empire reigned supreme in the 6th century BCE, and Sparta instilled a love of military glory in its male citizens. 
Heracles was a natural fit as their popular hero because his single-minded might and pursuit of victory matched Spartan ideals. Meanwhile, Athens was a democracy where laws were made by an assembly. Much of Athens' wealth and culture came from trading with outsiders. It makes sense that they preferred a democratic man of the people like Theseus. Theseus and Heracles represent the push and pull between cultural ideals in ancient Greece, and Sparta and Athens eventually fought each other in the Peloponnesian War in the 5th century BCE. But even in our modern day, these heroes still have resonance. They represent a conflict most of us have experienced when confronted with a challenge. Do we act out of fear and self-preservation, or do we do what's best for others, even if our altruism may blind us? Ultimately, it's best to find a just medium. Otherwise, we're in for an inner conflict as rollicking and dangerous as a battle between ancient Greeks' fearsome and fallible champions. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tom Bauer, Eddie Lee, Ellie Schiff, and Laura Faye Smith. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thank you.